0: Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast. Making Theology Central. Good afternoon, everyone. It is Thursday, June the 30th, 2022. It is currently 128 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live two stories above a street right here in Abilene, Texas. Yes, I'm coming to you live from the second story room here in my home, Abilene, Texas, and wherever you may be listening, however you may be listening, and whenever you may be listening, thank you so very much. But let me state it again, today is Thursday, June the 30th. There there was another live broadcast today where I really emphasized the date, but I'm going to emphasize it again, Thursday, June the 30th, 2022. Now, let me ask you an important question. Where do you think the church, and when I say the church, just the church in general, here in the United States of America, I cannot speak for the church outside of the United States of America since I don't really keep up a lot with what's going on in the church outside of the United States of America, but as far as the church at large, the church in general here in the United States of America— if you were to try to figure out where it is going in the very near future, what, what do you think will be the most noticeable, the most noteworthy trends that we're going to see arise in the next six months to a year or maybe the next two years? What do you think are going to be the most notable trends of the church that we're going to see that it should start becoming more and more obvious as we move forward into 2023 headed to 2024? So I will say between June 30, uh, let, let's do this, between June 30, 2022 and and June 30th, 2024, what do you think are gonna be the most notable trends that arise between June 30th, 2022 and June 30th, 2024? What do you think? Now, I know I'm I'm really limiting my my scope here, and maybe I should not do that. Maybe maybe I'm going to be wrong, but at least what I'm going to do is give you, well, something that someone sent to me. Someone sent an email to me, And they feel there's going to be two trends that's going to, I'm not going to say dominate the church, is going to become very present in the church moving into, well, 2023. And they didn't give the specified dates. I'm going to give the specified dates. They just said there's going to be two trends. What do you think are going to be the most notable trends here in the American church in general going between now June 30th, 2022 and June 30th, 2024? I'll wait, class, for you to put write down your answers, and then you'll pass them forward. Okay, I'm joking, but no, I do, I do really want you, I want you writing down your answers. I really, I, I want to see what you have. I want to see what you think. And please email me your thoughts and your answers to newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com, or those of you who listen to us on YouTube, hit the comment section and tell me, what do you think are the two, are going to be the two very prominent, most notable, most obvious trends that is going to be present in the American church between June 30th, 2022 and June t- uh, 30th, 2024. What, what what do you think? I love to get your feedback and love to get your thoughts. Now, I could just leave it right there and say, okay, thank you, That's, but no, we're going to talk about them, all right? We're going to talk about them. Now, you know my own personal feelings. Before we really take this apart that someone sent to me, and they sent me this email yesterday at 11.04 p.m. So uh, last night, someone sent this to me. Before we really look at what they had to say, you know my feelings. You know at least one thing that I believe is gonna continue to dominate the church, and that is, I believe, the political hijacking of the church. I believe the church has been politically co-opted. The church has, in a sense, sold itself to political ideology, political parties. I believe that's going to continue, but what I what I love about this suggestion that someone sent to me is it takes this political hijacking of the church and it places the political high, it, it it seems to show, because the church has been politically hijacked, that this political hijacking is going to lead the church to embrace two very specific philological perspectives that relate to eschatology, right? That, that the church has been politically hijacked. So think of it this way: the the poison, the disease, is the political hijacking of the church, and the symptom of that political hijacking is going to be two systems of eschatology. What do you? Now I know I'm going to offend some people with that because if you hold to these systems of eschatology, you're going to get very offended by that, and, and I can understand that not everyone who holds to these these positions of eschatology. I'm not going to say this guarantees that they're politically hijacked. I just think the political hijacking of the church is d- d- that these are going to be symptoms of it. They're just, they're put it this way. I don't think there's any way around it. Even though you try to avoid being politically hijacked, I believe these two systems of eschatology Anyone who is politically hijacked, these two systems of eschatology are going to seem much more favorable and and make much more sense for you to be able to allow your, to connect your political ideology with your eschatology. D- does that give you some kind of clue? Does that give you a hint? Now, some of you, you see the title of this episode and you already know what I'm getting ready to talk about. Others of you have no idea right now, but that's okay. So let me state it again. The political hijacking of the church is the disease, and that disease then begins to influence the theology of the people inside the church. And there are two systems of eschatology that I think just scream, bring your politics here, Bring your political view right here. Come on, come on in. Step right up. Oh, I see you, sir. I see you right there. I see that you're politically hijacked. Well, come on in. Come on into this system of eschatology because we want your politics. Your politics fit in perfectly here. I I think that, and I think there are some systems of eschatology that says, nope, we don't want your politics. Go somewhere else. You, You still may believe that's an unfair description. But are you ready? Here we go. Here, Let's go to 11.04 p.m. June the 29th, 2022. I received the following email. I think the next big trend. Now, it, it says trend, singular, as grouping these two things together as one trend. I'm going to separate them as two trends because they're, they're two systems of eschatology. So I'm going to say two different trends but I, this is the way it's written. I think the next big trend in American Christianity, please note, American Christianity. So we're not, if you're outside of the United States of America, you're going to have to identify the, the coming trends for the church and your part of the world. But here in America, this person emails and says, I think the next big trend in American Christianity will be the adoption of post- millennial eschatology and theonomy as a fast-track solution to reclaim the culture. And those of us opposed to it will be branded as liberals and apostates. Wow, that is a... You want to talk about opening up your email to get a hot take, there you go. Now, what I should do is give you this person's email address so that you can email them. I would never do that. I'm not going to give you their name. I'm not going to give you their email address. I'll take any heat this episode gets. But I think that that, I think there's a little bit to this. So let me, let me give you my formula again. Political hijacking is the disease. The symptom are, are systems of eschatology that will allow you to bring your political hijacked self to their system of ide- uh, their system of eschatology because the, it will work together. In other words, they're like two pieces of a puzzle that actually fit together. And I think some systems of eschatology, they don't fit well with your political hi- ideology. They don't fit well with your political hijacked self. The, the, the pieces don't fit together. I think there's a little bit of truth to the idea that political ideology, and post-millennial eschatology and theonomy that they fit together. You can be very political, post You can be very political and a theonomist. They fit together. And I think in some cases, you cannot be politically hijacked. You cannot bring your political ideology to other systems of eschatology. Now, I'm not saying every person who's post-mill is super, has been politically hijacked. Theonomy, I mean, I don't know. I, I, may have a, I may have a little different approach with theonomy, but eschatology and theonomy. So what we're going to do here is, and, and this may turn—I don't—I don't want this to turn into a series, but every time I say that, it does. We, we may have to—we definitely may have to come back and revisit this. But two trends. So this is what I'm going to tell you to do. Now, even if I don't care if you're post-mail, I don't care if you hold to the theonomy what i would ask you to do is to consider the possibility that that view that you hold to that it could be vulnerable to very much a political hijacked ideology and i would ask you to acknowledge if you think that this is that your system of eschatology and you may be happy but do you believe it's about to become a rising trend in the American church. You may think it's already started, and it may have very well already started. I think it has already started because there's people I've known who I used to listen to who are very theological, very biblical, and I was and I and I had nothing but respect for them and listened to them all the time. And then it felt like I woke up one day, like, what happened to this person? They they they're so political, and then you find out that they've kind of embraced either kind of a, th- a theonomy viewpoint or a post-mill viewpoint, and you're like, huh, isn't that interesting? So if you hold to these views, at least I would I would love to get your thoughts on how much of a trend you think this is going to be. For everyone else who does not hold to post-mill or does not hold to theonomy and may not even be that well-versed in both, you need to become extremely well-versed in both because the better you know it, the quicker you can identify it. The better you know it, the the faster you can go, "Uh uh-oh, 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 I think I'm hearing it from the pulpit. Uh Uh-oh, I'm hearing it in Sunday school. Wait, I hear the people over there by the coffee pot and donuts talking about it. You can identify it and then hopefully engage in a very biblical and godly way trying to combat it because I think both need to be stood against. I think post-millennialism and theonomy must be stood against. Now, some people say, well, it's just eschatology. It's not a critical issue. I strongly disagree, because I think eschatology, whenever we say it's a secondary issue, it's not a secondary issue, because eschatology has so much to do with hermeneutics. Every, every system of eschatology is connected with a system of hermeneutics, of biblical interpretation. So there moves it to a, a very essential issue, and not only this, is if, if you have systems of eschatology that almost brings in the political ideology, then that system of eschatology could serve as a Trojan horse to bring in the political ideology, which will then hijack the church. That's something to consider. So are you ready? So let me read this to you again. 1104, I think I said 1109 originally, 1104 p.m. yesterday, June the 29th, 2022, I received the following email. I think the next big trend in American Christianity will be the adoption of post-millennial eschatology and theonomy, now this is important, as a fast-track solution to reclaim the culture. So let's stop right here. I'm, I'm gonna keep taking the email apart. I may take an hour just taking the email apart. Now, again, I think the disease is political ideology, political hijacking. I think two systems of eschatology are two concepts that will very much embrace that political hijacking are is postmillennialism and theonomy, right? I think both of them very much will embrace your politics to it. And the reason the political hijacking is occurring the reason that I that this individual and I think others may say that post millennialism and theonomy are rising, I think the reason this is occurring is because this is what's happened. Many Christians, in a sense, metaphorically speaking, look out their window and they look at the culture and they're like, "What is happening? What is happening to our culture? The culture is on fire. The country is crumbling." Everything is burning down. Everything is changing. Where is the America of my youth? Where is the culture that I want? I don't like this culture. It makes me uncomfortable. It's ungodly. It's wrong. It's sinful. I don't want to see it. I don't want to look at it. I'm covering up my eyes. I'm plugging up my ears. No, I, I don't want to hear any evil. I don't want to see no evil. I don't want to speak any evil. It's all bad. And so there are many who are very, very, very bothered by the trajectory of the culture and of the nation. So they look around like, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? There are some who would say, from from my theological pers- per- perspective, we would look at you and go, calm down. The culture, that's the unregenerate culture. What do you expect them to be? What do you want them to be? They're unregenerate. They're ungodly. They've rejected the things of God. You should expect them to live as people who reject the Bible. Why are you shocked? Why are you surprised? What, what do you want to see happen? I would say the solution is this. You're a Christian, pray, fast, proclaim the gospel, teach, love your enemy, love your neighbor, and decide and bring people into the church and disciple them to obey the things that are in scripture. That your job is to live out your Christian life and to present the gospel to as many people as possible calling them to repentance and faith and then you're doing your best to disciple them that's what you're that's what the church is called to do that's it you say but but no 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 we've got to fix the culture well, how you want to fix the culture by what imposing biblical morality on unregenerate hearts you want to impose christianity through policy and law and and poli- and, and through political power and maneuvering no, that, that is not the biblical model. So there's some of us who say, no, you need to focus on the, what the scripture calls us to do. And it doesn't call us for this culture wars and trying to somehow force Christianity upon an unregenerate country. That's not that from my perspective, that's the right approach. Well, when some hear that, they're like, no, forget that. I don't like that. That's slow. That's ineffective in their minds. No, we've got to do something now. We've got to reclaim the culture. We got to reclaim it for Christ. So they start looking around like, what's the salute? Politics, politics. So they run to politics. However, they want a spiritual justification. They want a theological justification for their political ideology and looking to politics to fix the culture. So they need a theological Ah, they can embrace post-millennialism or theonomy, and this will be a fast-track solution to supposedly reclaiming the culture. So again, the culture is messed up, Christians want a solution, they turn to politics, but they need a theological justification for the, them being coming so political, and they can look to post or theonomy, and they're given a now a theological justification for that political focus. And that is what has happened. Now, here is what will occur. They will embrace the post They will embrace the theonomy. And if you don't embrace the post mill, you don't br- embrace the theonomy, you don't embrace their political hijacked craziness, you're going to be viewed as a liberal. You're going to be viewed as woke. You're going to be viewed as an apostate. You're going to be viewed as a compromiser. You're going to be viewed as someone who doesn't love the things. You're going to be viewed as you're wrong. They're the, they're on the right track and they don't even see that they have been so politically corrupted, so politically hijacked, and in my case is embraced fraudulent forms of eschatology. I, I hope I've presented this in a very clear way. So here's what we're going to do. I uh, maybe we can finish this in one episode, but we're going to do a little exploration of postmill and theonomy. Now listen very carefully. The goal here is not an extensive four, five, six, seven week study on postmillennialism and all its variations and differences. And this is not to try to look at every issue related to theonomy. This is to be a very simple overview as I give some basic information and critique said information and offer a different perspective. All right. I kind of want to repeat everything we've talked about, but I think I've repeated it enough. I think I've established kind of where I am coming from. So let's go to post-millennialism. Is this, is this system of eschatology about to become a, a very, can we say, trendy perspective? I think it's already started, and I think it's going to increase between June 30th, 2022, and June 30th, 2024. It may go beyond that, but I think we're really going to see more of a, of a rise of it. post is an interpretation of Revelation chapter 20, which sees Christ's second coming as occurring after the millennium. And this is understood to be a golden age or era of Christian prosperity and dominance. The term includes several similar views of the end times, and it stands in contrast to premillennialism, the view that Christ's second coming will occur prior to his millennial kingdom, and that the millennial kingdom is a literal 1,000-year reign, and to a lesser extent amillennialism, no literal millennium. So, postmillennialism is different than premillennialism and amillennialism. And the postmillennialists see Christ coming back after, quote unquote, the millennium, which is not a literal thousand years, but it's really a golden age, a golden era of Christian dominance. Christian dominance, where Christianity becomes the dominant worldview. Christianity begins to dominate the culture. Now, there it's one thing to say, to be a post-millennialist and say, look, guys, here's how it's going to happen. The the church is going to continue to preach the gospel, and that gospel is going to continue to spread and spread, and more and more people are going to be converted, and more and more people are going to seek to live out the Christian worldview, and they're going to live out the Christian life and godliness and faithfulness to Scripture, and therefore, it's going to become Christianity is going to dominate the culture through the proclamation of the gospel and the preaching. That's one way of saying it. That I, I even though I kind of I disagree with that, I don't believe that's going to occur. At least I, I, don't, I don't get as worried about that. But if post-millennialism leads to an idea of Christian dominance, meaning Christians are going to rise up and take over politics and take over this and this, and we're going to impose basically kind of a Christian worldview or a Christian ethic on an unregenerate world until Christianity is dominating is dominating the unregenerate world through the use of law and the court system or whatever, that I—that's where I have a problem. If the post-millennialist is just simply like, no, the preaching of the of the gospel is going to spread and dominate the culture through conversion, that's different than saying, oh, it's going—we're going to overcome the culture and reclaim the culture through political dominance and through use of law and the court and whatever the case may. That is where I get very nervous. I think many post mill are just simply people who believe the church. It's going to just basically rise up through the preaching and the culture is going to be dominated through conversion. I, I Look, I disagree, but I don't see that as a threat. But when it slides over into a dominating the culture through political activity and through these other means, that is where I see it as a threat. Let's read a little bit more about this. Here we go. Postmillennialism is the belief that Christ return after a period of time, but not necessarily a literal thousand years. Those who hold this view do not interpret of unfulfilled prophecy using a normal literal method. They believe that Revelation 24 through 6 should not be taken literally. They believe that 1,000 years simply means a long period of time. Furthermore, the prefix post and postmillennialism denotes the view that Christ will return after Christians. After Christians, not Christ, after Christians have established the kingdom on earth. Christians are going to establish the kingdom on earth. Now, when someone says that, the first thing I want to do is run for my life and go, wait a minute, wait a minute. You think Christians are going to establish the kingdom on earth and you think it's going to happen here in America? As soon as I hear that, I'm like, okay, okay. how do I get to Canada? How do I get how do I get anywhere? Get me out of this place now. These people are crazy. Right. So the first thing I do, I want to run. Now, once I get to Canada or to another country, I may call back and go, now, can you explain that to me? How are you guys are are, are going to supposedly establish the kingdom on earth? Now, if they say, well, we're going to establish the kingdom through simply preaching, prayer, fasting, proclamation, discipleship, people will become, uh, so many people will become converted that then the kingdom of of God will be here. If they say it that way, at least I, I I may come back and visit America, but if they say, well, we're going to get into political office, and we're going to vote people. out. We're going to vote the liberals out, and we're going to vote God fearing people in, and they're going to pass laws, and they're going to establish rules, and they're going to. And we're going to have the Supreme Court, all that f- passing and 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 giving rulings in Jesus' name. And and well, once I start hearing that, I'm not even coming back to visit. I'm crossing the border into Canada, and I don't. I'm never looking back to the United States of America, and I'm simply going to pray for it. Those are two very different perspectives. I want to make sure I draw a distinction of the ones that I would disagree with but not be worried about and the one I disagree with and I fear with every ounce of my being. They go on to say this. Those who hold to post-millennialism believe that this world will become better and better, all evidence to the contrary notwithstanding, with the entire world eventually becoming Christianized. Again, how do they state that if you're going to say it's becoming Christianized simply through the proclamation of the gospel, not not through political action, not through governmental passing of bills. If, if you're going to say the whole nation, the whole world's going to be Christianized through the preaching of the gospel. Again, I disagree because I don't think that's going to happen. I do think things are going to get worse and worse and worse at least. I don't view you as a threat, but if you see that it's going to become Christianized through this political maneuvering, and that, that's when I see basically a form of Christian nationalism, and I'm running for my life. After this happens, after the world is eventually Christianized, Christ will return. However, this is not the view of the world and the end times that scripture presents. From the book of Revelation, it's easy to see that the world will be a terrible place during that future time. And also in 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 7, Paul describes the last days as terrible times. And I agree. So, I, so I, I, I completely disagree with post-millennialism. I don't think things are going to get better. They're going to get worse and worse and worse. The world is going to get worse. The church is going to get worse. The world is going to become more, more sinful and ungodly, and the church is going to become more and more apostate. The world will continue to disintegrate, and the church will continue to fall apart. Things are going to get much, much, much worse. That is my system. That's what I hold to. That continue. This is important. Those who hold to postmillennialism use a non-literal method of interpreting unfulfilled prophecy, often interpreting prophetic ma- passages allegorically. Now, let me stop right here. This is important. Every system, every disagreement about eschatology is not really a disagreement about end times. It's a disagreement about hermeneutics. It's a disagreement about biblical exegesis. It's a disagreement on biblical observation. It's a disagreement about Bible study and Bible interpretation. That's why you can't say I I it drives me crazy when people say, "Well, eschatology is such a secondary issue. There's no reason to be divided about that." What are you talking about? It is ever reason to be divided about it because it's a question in how you interpret the rest of the Bible. To embrace certain s- systems of eschatology requires you to embrace a different method of biblical interpretation, which then can have a profound impact on how you interpret the rest of the Bible. Your, your hermeneutic, I mean, you, you ha- listen, you can't say hermeneutics is a secondary issue. Eschatology is a hermeneutical issue. It's not an end times issue. Eschatology is the study of end times using specific systems of hermeneutics. Hermeneutics is not secondary. It's primary. It's the interpretation of scripture. Eschatology is, think of it this way. Eschatology is the symptom of, of the of the real of the real issue which is hermeneutics hermeneutics is the real issue and then depending on your hermeneutic you're gonna different sy- symptoms are going to emerge different results and if you if you arise to a po- if you arrive at a post-millennial interpretation I believe then you you're, you're Hermeneutic is corrupted. Your hermeneutic is diseased. Your hermeneutic is infected. Well, we can't, you can say, well, I'm not going to fight someone over uh, eschatology. Don't fight them over eschatology. The dis- you need to fight over hermeneutics. That's the issue. All right, so those who hold to a post-millennialism use a non-literal method of interpreting unfulfilled prophecy, often interpreting prophetic passages allegorically. The problem with this is that when, it, when the normal meaning of a passage is abandoned, its meaning can become entirely subjective. All object, all objectivity concerning the meaning of words is lost. When the words lose their meaning, communication ceases. However, this is not how God has intended for language and communication to be. God communicates us to, through his written word with objective meaning to words so that the ideas and thoughts can be communicated. Now, I know post-millennialism, post-millennialists will say, absolutely not, we don't do it allegorically, and look, 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 those of you who say that you don't do it allegorically and have a more literal method, what about this verse? What about when Jesus says he's a door? What about that? When Jesus said he's the bread of life, what about that? And, okay, come on, we understand that there are passages that have to be understood certain ways, but the, the text demands and calls for it, but you just can't, Randomly go, well, you know what? I I don't like other systems of eschatology, so I'm going to interpret the verse this way using a very non-literal method because well, the literal method would destroy my eschatology. Now you have to you have to allow the text to determine how to how to interpret the language, but I don't want to get into an entire discussion about hermeneutics here. A normal, Literal interpretation of scripture I believe rejects postmillennialism and holds to a normal inter- and, and holds to a normal interpretation of all scripture including unfulfilled prophecy. We have hundreds of examples of Jesus of prophecies being fulfilled. Take for example the prophecies concerning Christ in the Old Testament. These prophecies were fulfilled literally. Consider the virgin birth of Christ, literally. Consider the death of for, uh, Christ for our sins, literally. These prophecies were all fulfilled literally, and that is reason enough to assume that God will continue in the future to literally fulfill his word. Postmillennialism fails and that it interprets the Bible prophecy subjectively. I think it fails. um, I think it fails because it just, it's, because that's not just the, forget, forget many of the, uh, forget, you can forget a lot about There's a lot of passages. Let me state it this way. There's a lot of passages you can argue about. I think the overall view of the end times from the Bible is that things are going to get worse before they get better. And I don't see the Christianizing of the nation. But to me, the greatest issue... So the greatest issue with postmillennialism is hermeneutical. The second greatest issue with postmillennialism is that there could be some who will be like, yes, we got to Christianize the nation. And they, in a sense, it's no longer being done through the proclamation of the gospel. It's through political involvement, political means. In other words, you attempt to Christianize the nation apart from the gospel and using fleshly means. Now, that is when it becomes... I'm not saying everyone who's post-mill will do that, but post-mill can be utilized in that way, and therefore, I reject it. Is that going to become a trend in the church? Do you think it's already beginning to... I think it's already beginning to manifest itself, and I think it's going to get worse between now and 2024. Now, let's go to the second trend. First is post-millennialism. The second is sometimes referred to as theonomy. Sometimes it's referred to as dominion theology. It's referred to a lot of different ways. Let's let's consider some things here. Dominion theology refers to a line of theological interpretation and thought with regard to the role of the church in contemporary society. Dominion theology is also known as Christian reconstructionism or theonomy. So you may want to write down all three names: Dominion theology, Christian Reconstructionism, or theonomy. You need to be aware of all three, and you should reject all three. Look, postmillennialism. I tried to find a way to say that there, there's there's a, there's a version of postmillennialism that I could be like, okay, I disagree, but I'm not scared of you. When it comes to Dominion theology, Christian Reconstructionism, and theonomy. I am scared of all three, and I would run as fast as I could. I would, I would run and not look back, and I would j- forget leaving America to go to Canada. I, I'm, 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 I'm calling somebody to get me on the moon. Okay, I'm calling someone to get me to Mars. I'm going to a different planet. I want to be, I want to be as far removed from this planet as I can be. All right, and you're going to say that's a little hyperbolic. I know, actually, it's not. I'm probably understating it. All right, here we go. Dominion theology or Christian reconstructionism or theonomy states that biblical Christianity will rule all areas of society, personal and corporate. Christian reconstructionism reasons that society will be reconstructed by the law of God as preached in the gospel and the Great Commission. Theonomy is a post millennial view believing that all of the moral laws contained in the Old Testament are yet binding today. Although these might sound somewhat uh, desperate, they are, they have all been closely linked together to the point uh, to, to the point that people often use the terms uh, interchangeably. So they may seem like somewhat disjointed or disconnected, but they're so linked together that in many cases the terms are used interchangeably. So, but I'm going to get someone going. No, 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 no. I'm a theonomist, but I'm not this, or I'm a post postmill, but I'm not a theonomist. I understand that. For a, just a general understanding, dominion theology, Christian reconstructionism, and theonomy are linked together, and it's the idea that Christianity is somehow going to rule society, every area of society, and that the law of God, the law in the Bible, is binding on all of society, and therefore it should be imposed on society. Now, that scares me absolutely to death. Absolutely to death. Because this to me is a complete rejection of the gospel. People need the gospel. They don't need moral law. The moral law as given in the Bible is there to demonstrate their sinfulness so they can be brought to the Christ. Society does not need to have the law of God imposed upon them because it won't change the heart. It won't change anything. Read your Old Testament. Israel had the law. They had God present in in the Shekinah glory right there in the tabernacle. They had the law. They had had prophets. They had priests. They had the sacrificial. They had all of that stuff. And guess what? They rebelled against it, rebelled against it, rebelled against it, rebelled against it over and over and over because the law of God almost, it almost incites the rebellious nature. It, It incites the rebellious nature to rise up and try to reject it and rebel against it. The law of God does not silence the depravity. It incites the depravity. It, It causes it to rise up. It's like telling kids, don't touch that. They never even thought about it until you say, don't touch that. And about the minute you say, don't touch that, they have to go touch it. They have to. The law of God says, don't. Thou shalt not. And we're like, I have to. I have to. The law incites. So you can try to impose the law on the entire lost world. It's, it's, it's a fool's errand. It's re, it's foolishness. The church is to preach the gospel. The law is utilized to reveal sin so they see themselves as broken and hopeless and helpless knowing they can never actually keep the law and then they are brought to faith in Jesus Christ where then they have to trust in an imputed righteousness not a practical righteousness from trying to keep the law because no one will ever keep the law correctly because we have a depraved nature. So let's go through these again. Dominion theology states that biblical Christianity will rule all areas of society and personal and corporate. Christian reconstructionism uh, reason, uh, reasons that the society will be reconstructed by the law of God as preached in the gospel and the Great Commission, and theonomy is a post-millennial view believing that all moral law contained in the Old Testament uh, are yet binding today. All these may sound somewhat you know disconnected, but they've been so closely linked together that it, at to a point that people often use the terms interchangeably. I'm by no means trying to say they should just be grouped together, but they are so much linked together that for a simple overview, we have to talk about all three. Are there differences? Yes. Are there distinctions that probably should be made in an in-depth study? Absolutely. But they are very much linked together. Those who hold these views believe that the duty of Christians is to create a worldwide kingdom patterned after the mosaic law so now christians have to run around and try to establish a kingdom based off the mosaic law we want rules we want the government to pass this law we want this and this. and so but i'm telling you that, that becomes a complete, utter rejection of the gospel. I know many who hold to this go, no, I don't reject the gospel. I say you are. I say, I say because the, the gospel, the New Testament doesn't call us to try to re reconstruct God's kingdom on earth. No, if, if we, we're to preach the gospel. They believe that Christ will not return to earth until such a kingdom has been established. Well, if that's true, he's never coming back because it's never going to be established that way because you cannot establish a worldwide kingdom I guess you could establish a worldwide kingdom past after the Mosaic law, but it's just going to be utter spiritual anarchy, chaos, rebellion, fighting, war, persecution, death, and, uh, well, the gospel will get trampled underfoot. The practical goal, then, of dominion theology and Christian reconstructionism is political and religious domination of the world Throughout the implementation of the moral law and subsequent punishments of the Old Testament, the sacrificial and ceremonial laws have have been fulfilled in the New Testament. This is not a government system ruled by the church, but rather a government conformed to the law of God. So the government is, we've got to do everything we can to get the government to submit to God's law. That's what some Christians want. They think that's going to fix everything. It will not fix anything. The people will rise up. They will cast off the chains. They will rebel. They will fight. There will be war. There will be bloodshed. There will be death. Not because of them hating the the gospel. It's going to be them hating you trying to impose your morality upon them. If you want to impose the morality of God's law on a heart, they must be saved. They must be saved. Then you present the moral law for them to keep. Um, Now, someone just brought up a very good point here. So, yes, I can see a sect of Christianity going this route, this route. But honestly, I do not have any concern of it gaining momentum in society. That is that, okay. I completely agree here. When I say I'm gonna flee and I'm gonna go to another country, I mean in the sense that I don't wanna be anywhere near a Christianity attempting to impose this. Yeah, I don't see society will not go along with it, society is going to fight it. Society is going to rise up and rebel against it. Society will then seek to persecute the church that they believe is trying to implement these things. And sadly, all of us are going to get painted with the same brush. When you see you know, a, a representative from Colorado or a Republican representative saying she hates the distinction between church and state, and it should be the church basically running the government, well, people are going to get mad. When people see that the church is trying to do this, they're going to get mad. Uh, They says uh, um, it's as anti-Christian as it's ever been. Media, corporations, universities would never allow it to gain traction. That is true. I don't see this ever gaining traction. I don't see it ever gaining traction. But what I see is that if more and more of Christianity embraces it and more and more of the world rejects it, you find yourself in a completely divided nation where basically... I don't want to use a I don't want to use an exaggerated term. It becomes basically it becomes a conflict. I don't want to say a civil war, but it's going to become a major conflict that's going to be bad for everyone involved. And then you and I, if if you agree with my perspectives, we're going to be viewed as the liberals. We're going to be viewed as the enemy in the church. We'll be we'll be thrown if if this was to dominate the church. I, I, I fear. These are going to be rising trends in the church. I'm not saying they're going to dominate, but they're definitely rising trends. And this emailer thought the same thing. Yeah, uh, yeah. And uh, we will all be associated with it. Absolutely. We're all going to be associated with it. I mean, already it's happened. You know, you say you're a Christian. Oh, you one of those Trump supporters? I'm like, what? What are you talking about? I'm a Christian. Well, yeah, I know you Christians support, whoa, slow down, slow down. I, it drives me crazy when people make an assumption just because I'm a Christian, because they think all Christians are, you know, basically carrying a gun, wearing a Make America Great Red Hat again, and watching Fox News and attending Trump rallies on the weekend. And it's like, that's no, 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 you're, you're associating me with something. My Christianity has nothing to do with any of those things. My Christianity is not connected with any of those things. My Christianity, I want to talk to you about Christ. I want to talk to you about him crucified. I want to talk about sin. I want to talk about salvation. I want to talk about redemption. I want to talk about biblical theology. I want to talk about church history. That's what I want. I don't want to be associated with all that other nonsense. But we are being branded that way already. Dominion theology and Christian reconstructionism is largely based upon a post-millennial view of covenantalism. Post-millennialism is the belief that Christ will return to earth after the thousand-year reign of God's kingdom, and co- covenant- covenantalism refers to the biblical belief that biblical history is divided into three major covenants supposedly described in scripture of redemption, of works, and of grace. Adherents believe that we currently exist under the covenant of grace and that the church and Israel are the same. And we are now in the millennial kingdom of God. A man under the covenant of grace is responsible to rule, to rule the world, to hold dominion over it in obedience to the laws of God. We are not, see, oh man. There's so many issues here, but we're not called to rule the world. We're not called to dominate the world. We're not called to take over the world. We're not called to impose these things upon the world. We're called to be messengers of the gospel calling that we, this is my message. I am not of this world. I'm a pilgrim here. I'm a stranger here. This is not my home. But what I want to do is present the gospel of Christ to you. I want to point out the fact that you're a sinner and I'm a sinner and we all deserve the wrath of God. And our only hope is in Jesus Christ, God's only son who came and died. He kept the law, obeyed the law, and in him, perfect righteousness is imputed to me and perfect forgiveness for all my sins. And I put my faith in him. And now I am to live according to what he calls me to do in this world, even though this is not my home. That, that's the message it's not like how do I force how do I force Christianity upon a world it this, oh yeah we have to stand against this we have to stand against this uh, they go on to say we believe uh, the article that I'm reading from we believe that the Bible teaches a premillennial view of the, of the kingdom of God and that Israel and the church are distinct throughout biblical history and prophecy, we don't see that God ever commended the church to take charge of and revamp society. Look, even if you reject reject premillennialism, even if you think it's ridiculous, fine, 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 fine. Just please don't embrace the idea that the church is supposed to take charge of society and revamp society, or that Christianity is supposed to take charge and revamp society. Even if you don't embrace pre uh, premillennialism, please reject those ideas about the government, about the church trying to, uh, to basically take over the world and try to change the culture and reclaim culture. At least reject that. I beg you, I plead with you, because what you will do is you're going to destroy the gospel. You're gonna say no, I'm preaching the gospel. No, you're preaching world domination. You're, you're, you're preaching a theistic moralism that you want to impose upon a society to try to, to try to make it, to try to recreate it in the image of God through carnal means, through force, through political mean, means. No. If if you want the world to be changed, preach the gospel. You live out the Christian life and preach the gospel. Anything else is just abhorrent. We see the command for the believer is to preach the gospel. God intends, to implement worldwide, uh, God intends to implement worldwide social reform, ultimately himself, especially if you believe in a more pre-mill eschatology. He will come back on a horse with a sword. He will destroy his enemies, and he will establish his kingdom. He will do that. In the meantime, I'm to preach and call people to faith in Christ. Once at home, solely within reformed circles, dominion theology and Christian Reconstructionism are making an impact on the beliefs of many charismatic churches. All right, are you ready for it? Okay, in some reformed circles, we're getting dominion theology, theonomy, uh, Christian Reconstructionism. That's what's happening in in the reformed world, all right? Christian Reconstruction, Dominion Theology, Theonomy, Postmillennialism, that's happening in the Reformed side of the world, all right? But over in the Charismatic side of the world, oh, I know some of you know what this is, all right? I know we have one listener who probably can tell me right now what this is. I'm going to open up my, uh, I'm going to open up a different app just to see if they say they may not be listening right now, which if they're not, I'm going to be greatly disappointed and I I don't know what I'm going to have to do because whenever I'm live on the air, you should be listening, right? I mean, who would not be listening when I'm live on the air, right? You should stop everything you're doing. Okay, I'm joking, I'm joking, right? I'm going to impose a, 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 a rule upon everyone that when I'm doing a podcast episode, everyone has to listen. But I'm going to see here if this person has said it. Okay, well, I wouldn't, okay, you know, okay, this person knows more about this than I know. So that's the reason I was asking them to speak up, because I know my knowledge on this is minuscule. They say it's called Seven Mountain Mandate. Now, I have to ask them, is the Seven Mountain Mandate associated with Kingdom Now theology? I'm going to have to ask them, all right? I'm going to have to ask them and see what they say. See what they say. All right. I, I, I'm waiting. I'm waiting. There's like about a three minute delay. So, so if you're listening, you're like, come on, come on, come on, finish it up. I got things to do. I understand. Okay. Oh, sort of. All right. So they're saying that there's a distinction between seven mountain mandate and kingdom. Now I'm connecting this to kingdom. Now but they said the basic idea is there. So in the charismatic world, and I'm assuming the Seven Mountain Mandate, because that just sounds charismatic, the Seven Mountain Mandate, okay, all right, or, or the, the, the theme of a new uh, uh, Indiana Jones movie, okay, but Seven Mountain Mandate, kingdom now, they're somewhat linked together. Kingdom now, very much in the charismatic world, right? So in the reform world, you get post-millennialism, Christian reconstructionism, theonomy, you get dominion theology. All right. Now I'm not saying some of these ideas don't show up in the charismatic world, but in the charismatic world, it's kingdom now or seven mountain mandate. Now I'm going to, I think I have a link here. It'll give me to something about kingdom now. Kingdom now theology is a theological belief within the charismatic movement of Protestant Christianity, mainly in the United States. Kingdom Now proponents believe that God lost control over the world to Satan when Adam and Eve sinned. Since then, the theology goes, God has been trying to reestablish control over the world by seeking a special group of believers known variously as Covenant People, Overcomers, or Joel's Army. And that through these people, social institutions, including government and laws, would be brought under God's authority. The belief is that since believers are indwelt by the same Holy Spirit that indwelt Jesus, we have all authority in heaven on earth. We have the power to believe for and speak into existence things that are not, and we can bring about the kingdom age. Oh, you hear this kind of stuff. If you if you listen to charismatic sermons, oh, you can hear this from like a mile away. You can see it coming, right? As soon as they start talking, you just want to start running the opposite direction. Once again, you want to get in your car and go far, 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 far away. In other words, all of this makes me want to flee, right? All of it. Kingdom now, Christian reconstructionism, post-millennialism, theonomy, makes me all want to run for my life. Right, but as all of this, there's so many basic ideas that are so similar. Oh, there's these, there's, there are definitely layers, and there's different, different, death. There's definitely theological differences that must be acknowledged. Right, you can hear I'm getting excited about all of this, but I'm getting excited because it's bad. Uh, (laughs) It says someone just says, as soon as I hear God has been trying, I stop there. He doesn't need our help with anything. I I completely agree. He doesn't need our help with anything. We, he doesn't need my help. Um, that is, that is so true. I I don't like that. God has been, God's been trying he's been trying, but he's looking for his Joel's army. He's looking for his covenant people to rise up and to reclaim this nation for Jesus. We're going to do, okay. All right. Um, Oh, someone just posted a leak about the seven mountain mandate. Uh, can I, I can't get, I can't get there. Can I copy it? No, I can't do anything. All right, hang on. Uh, let me, let me do this. Um, do they have a, do they, do they connect this? Sometimes, oh, we got replacement theology here. Okay, hang on. I'm going to put, what is seven? Hang on. We're doing this in real time. I know it's exciting. Seven Mountain Mandate. Got questions. Got questions. Here we go. All right. Uh, What is the Seven Mountain Mandate? All right. The Seven mountain mandate or the seven mountain prophecy is an anti-biblical and damaging movement that has gained following in some charismatic and Pentecostal churches. Those who follow the seven mountain mandate believe that in order for Christ to return to earth, the church must take control of seven major spheres of influence in society for the glory of Christ. Once the world has been made subject to the kingdom of God, Jesus will return. You see how all of these are linked together. Right? We must take over culture. We must get the law of God put in place. We need we we must have the 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 Bible here and we must have God put back here and we've got to reclaim this country and we've got to take it back for Jesus. There's all kinds of different language used, but all of this is through like Political involvement, political advocacy, it's through the Supreme Court, it's through rule, it's through laws, it's through so many different things, and what gets cast to the side is the proclamation of the gospel. I think some people, they don't care if anyone goes to heaven, they just want a culture that makes them more comfortable, and that's not the way it works. Now, here are the seven mountains. Education, oh, you see this all the time. We need prayer back in school. We need the Bible taught in school. Wait, and you're like, what are you talking about? What? No. What do you do? First of all, the minute you make that claim. Okay. Like, for example, Christians everywhere is applauding right now. Oh, a football coach can pray with the students after a football game. Yay. Victory for Jesus. Wait till that football coach is a Muslim. Wait to that, uh, football coach is a Wiccan and wants to lead the, uh, the players in some kind of, you know, a Wiccan chant to nature. Oh, let's, oh, let's see how well that goes. Ooh, what if it's a Satanist and wants to read some, uh, recite some chants from satanic rituals written by Anton LaVey? Oh, no, 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 we're not so good. Wait, wait, we want the Bible taught in school. Well, what about the Quran? What about, uh, writings from, Buddha, well, we can go on and on and on and on and on. Okay, what about Joseph Smith? What about, I mean, Christians, I don't understand that when you try this stuff, it, it, back, it always backfires in church history, right? Hey, we, we want, we're, the Catholics take over an area, we merge church and state. Now Catholicism becomes dominant. Guess what happens to anyone who tries to do anything different? The persecuted and killed. And when Protestants take over, then the Catholics get persecuted and killed. It's no, there's nothing godly about any of this. So the first mountain is education. The second is religion. The third is family. Fourth is business. Fifth is government and military. That's scary, frightening all day long. Arts and entertainment and media. These seven sectors of society are thought to mold the way everyone thinks and behaves. So to tackle societal change, these seven mountains must be transformed. The mountains are also referred to as pillars, shapers, molders, spheres. Those who follow the seven mountain mandates speak of occupying the mountains, invading the culture, and transforming society. Christianity Christianity has so... yeah, Yeah, it definitely all runs together. This is just a... It, it's a... Let me state it again. And I know some may disagree with me. I think the disease is political hijacking of the church. It's where we have this political mindset that we want we want to, to impose these concepts upon the world. and so but then Christianity and it's different. Theological streams come along and go, here you go, here you go. Here's some theological justification. Here's some theological reasoning that you can use. So now you have a God justification for your political agenda. And whenever you get a God justification for your political agenda, bad things happen. Everyone wants a God justification, a God reason for to impose their political ideas upon everyone else because you feel justified. God calls me to do this. God wants me to take over society. It's, it's scary, frightening stuff. So we have two we have two trends. Post millennialism and theonomy. According to at least one emailer, they believe these are going to become the dominant trends. I think they've already started. I We've we've had the Kingdom Now, Seven Mountain Mandate. I'd have to go back to the origins of both, but they've been around a long time in the charismatic world. These, things, these concepts have been around within Christianity for a long time. We've talked about going all the way back. Even when we go back to Finney, We go back to uh, Billy Sunday. We go back to Moral Majority of Jerry Falwell. There's all kinds of different organizations and groups that have risen within Christianity throughout Christian history to try to reclaim culture, take culture. And while, while, while every time the church goes and tries to do all of that, the church becomes more and more theologically illiterate, more and more biblically illiterate, more and more worldly, more and more apathetic to the actual things of God prayer fasting bible reading trying to live out our christian life repentance trying to just struggle through the christian life trying to preach the gospel and disciple people all of that gets pushed to the side for these this I'm going to say it somewhat in a a joking way, but there's a little bit of seriousness to this, for Christians' desire for world domination. We so desperately want everyone to live as a Christian when we, as Christians, have a hard enough time doing that ourselves. It's never been about that. Go into all the world and preach. Go into the world and love your enemy. Go into the world and love your neighbor. Go into the world and love God with all your heart, mind, body, and soul. We're going to fall short of all of those things. But we go repentant, confessing, and growing, and trying to present the gospel to others, calling them to faith, and then when they come to faith, We teach them to obey all the things which God has commanded. All of these systems are wrong. They're broken. And all they're going to create is a culture war with a society where the society is going to become more and more hostile, not to Christ, not to the gospel, but to what they perceive as a fleshly attempt of them trying to be dominated by our worldview. We've got to be able to identify Kingdom Now Theology, Seven Mountain Mandate, Theonomy, and Postmillennialism you need to have like a like a smoke detector, right? And it goes beep, 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 beep. Post-millennialism. Now remember, let me make it clear. There is a post-millennialism that would say that everything is going to get better and we're going to Christianize everything through the preaching of the gospel. I disagree, but I don't see that as a threat. There's a post-millennialism that we're going to Christianize everything and it becomes about political influence and that kind of that's that's the one I get I'm scared of and I'm going to I'm going to get in the car and drive as far away as possible theonomy same kind of concepts completely want to run from it kingdom now I want to run from it seven mountain uh, the seven mountain mandate I want to run from it as well you've got to be able to detect it. you got to hear it you got to hear it they may not use the phrase seven mountain mandate but you'll hear the concept they may not use the I, the words theonomy They may not use the word kingdom now. They may not use the word dominion theology or Christian reconstructionism. You've got to be able to detect it even when it's not spoken. And you've got to be able to see it quickly when you see someone starting to go in that direction. I'm not saying you come up and rebuke. No, you come up and put your arm around and say, hey, 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 how's it going? How are you doing spiritually? So what have you been reading lately? What have you been listening to? Hey, would would you care to talk about some of the things you're learning? And then just try to lovingly go, like in your brain, you're, you want to slap them across the face going, what are you doing? You idiot. But ex- that's what you're thinking internally. But externally, you're just like, hey, would you like to get together and talk about some of these things? And let's just kind of, you know, I don't know, throw, throw back and forth some doctrine and theology and just kind of maybe get, offer some different perspectives. And you try to do it as nice and lovingly as you can, because you need to be gracious to them. Because in many cases, their their heart, no. no, no, make sure you hear what I'm saying. Their heart, obviously, their sin and their heart because we're depraved. But their motivation in many cases is really in the right direction. They really want to see godliness and holiness. They really, their their motivation in many cases is actually maybe good. It's actually, they want to see things get better. It's just that their theology is wrong. You can have right motives and wrong theology. You can have right motives and teach an absolutely abhorrent theology, even though your motives are right. All right. You can email me all of your disagreements to newsifyahoo.com, newsifyahoo.com. Thanks to uh, the two people who have been participating in the chat. Great points. Thank you. Thank you for offering balance, and thank you for bringing up the Seven Mountains Mandate, because I never would have mentioned it, um, I because uh, I, I completely forget, forget about that. But anyone who's been in certain charismatic circles are very familiar with the Seven Mountains Mandate, and it has definitely showed up in non-charismatic churches in different ways. So definitely, the, the, all the basic ideas are kind of running together. They just have certain theological distinctions not saying we should ignore those distinctions, but for our purpose today, just to see that these are trends. They've been present. They are present. Are they going to grow between June 30th, 2022 and June 30th, 2024? Got two years. You tell me what you see and what you hear and what you're witnessing. Thanks for listening. We'll be back with some more broadcast here soon. God bless.